Hello, and welcome to Unspinning, the podcast where we pull at the threads of the folklore characters and traditions that have shaped us. I'm Brendan Alexi. As 2021 approaches, Chris King and I sit down to talk about the family traditions that we've rung in the new year with, laugh about some more common but less pleasant New Year's customs, and discover how common our family rituals really were. All this and much more right after the break. Hello, everybody. My name is Brandon Alexi. And I'm Chris. Um, unfortunately, Kier couldn't be here with us today, um, so it's just me and Brendan. But today we're going to be talking about traditions. Um, this was inspired as we were thinking about the January episode and what to talk about. We were thinking, of course, about the new year. Um, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, it's just uh, exactly that. And it was super, it's super interesting, like in hindsight, all of the things that we kind of discovered, not just about traditions, but kind of like accidentally about, well, at least for me, I discovered a lot about myself and like my (laughs) family as a result, which is kind of strange. Yeah, I do too. Um, It's also sort of interesting to think about the things that were so normal to us as children and um, whether they're normal or abnormal sort of in like the real world or or whatever. Um, As I was talking about my tradition with people outside my family, there were many, many who had never even heard of it. Whereas for me, it was just kind of like something we always did. Um, so it's really- Can I ask a strange question actually? Yeah, go ahead. Um, like, I know that we're probably gonna end up talking about this a lot more later, but like in your conversation with other people, did you find that people had a lot of New Year's traditions or like traditions in general with their family? That's a good question. Um, Yes, for the most part. Um, I think tradition might be like too heavy or strong of a word. Perhaps rituals is more mm-hmm. um, like certainly my family had a, ha- has a lot of rituals around the holidays, whether it's Christmas, New Year's, um, even like Mardi Gras. There are certain things we always do. Um, and actually, interestingly, I was reading a thread this morning on Twitter um, about there was this guy who has never celebrated Christmas before, but because of quarantine is celebrating it for the first time with his roommates, um, which is doing his like kind of like sociological um, thoughts on the whole process, which is really (laughs) interesting. Um, And one of the things he had mentioned, which really resonated with me was um, people have very strong opinions about what you eat on Christmas. Um, And like, Well, that's what he was saying, at least for like his roommates, that was his experience. And and I was thinking about it for me where like I have a very set and firm idea of like what Christmas breakfast is. I know, you know, even like Thanksgiving, like I know like almost to the minute what we're going to do, what we're going to eat, when we're going to do what, like when, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair. I've had the same experience. I just haven't had those same and that's the weird part is that when you get older those traditions depending on where you move to or like what your family situation is like those things rapidly change so like in this in the space of a christmas all of those things change to me yeah so like christmas feels vastly different now but like i totally get that yeah and i just think in general like again sort of tradition versus ritual i think that there are certain things that we do that kind of 
ground us in a space or in a, a time. Um, and that goes back, you know, centuries and centuries of whether you're talking about like solstice traditions and, and what you do on like the winter solstice or the summer solstice. You know, I think there's just things that communities and families, whether on like the micro or macro level, do together to mark the passing of time. And that was what was so interesting to me specifically about like New Year's traditions, because like what what more like finite passing of time ritual do we all do? But you know, um, so it was just really interesting to kind of think through what people do and how they how they welcome the new year. Yeah, it's super interesting that we think about the, like when you think about them beyond just traditions and into like rituals, things that we just kind of do not by root, but just because like we've learned it, I guess. Yeah, um, a lot of those things. Um, like we could do a whole episode, not just about like the traditions that people have had for like like generations, but it would be super interesting, like a New Year's from now, to talk about what those kind of new technological traditions are. Because like I don't know what it is, um, what it's like um, for you, but here in Trinidad and Tobago, it is impossible to make a phone call <laughs> on Old Year's Night. Really. Yeah, it's it's physically. We call it old Year's night. Yeah, we call it Old Year's night. Oh, that's you don't call it Old Year's night. We call it New Year's Eve. Wait, oh yeah, people do that, (laughs) and I always thought it was so. I don't know why I think it's strange, but I've always actively thought it was strange. Like it only makes sense to me that it's called Old Year's night. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, funny enough, too, New Year's Eve to me is my least favorite holiday. (laughs) New Year's Um, Eve is your least favorite holiday. Yeah. I love the holidays and I love like New Year's and I love the concept of as like a, you know, super like organized person. I love the idea of kind of like starting fresh and clean slate. And I do the same thing on my birthday, but like both on my birthday and in New Year's, um, you know, I always have like a list of goals and not, not so much resolutions as much as just kind of like things that, you know, I guess they are resolutions. I just don't like to call them that. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, but like New Year's Eve itself, like the going out and the partying and all of that I is literally my least favorite thing. I hate it so much. The bars are always so crowded. It's overpriced. I don't care about being around strangers. Like the best New Year's that I've ever had, the best New Year's Eves that I've ever had have always been like being home, quiet. Like there are people that, have you ever watched the ball drop? Probably not. I have, I have, have a couple okay. of times. Like there are people. It's a weird who, thing to. It's a weird thing to watch, but I watch. <laughs> it is a weird thing to watch, and there are people like the people that go there. First of all, it's like six degrees Fahrenheit. Like it's so cold, <laughs> and you can get there super early to even get it like a spot where you can remotely see it. And there are people that literally like wear diapers to go and do that. What? And to me, that is like the antithesis. Like that is not how I want to welcome a new year. <laughs> okay can i say something that's terrifying that's probably <laughs> terrifying to you for all the same reasons that that sounds horrible to you that sounds fucking incredible to me <laughs> not only do i get to leave the house and hang out with people that i will never see again and have an undeniably terrific time but I, but I get to hold the secret that at least one in five people around me is wearing a diaper. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I, I now I need to do that. Now I need to do that live and in person. 
that's my that's my that's my that's my that's my 2021 New Year's <laughs> that on Old Year's Night 2022. I will be spending I will be spending all year's night into New Year's Day with somebody wearing a diaper. That is so important to me now. <laughs> we could not be. Do you remember like do you remember how cold it was when you were in DC? I do remember how cold it was. So it's and that's like, literally the only horrible thing that I could imagine, having to do like, that for an hour. But it's colder. Like it's DC is warm by New York standards. That's wild. Yeah, it's very. I wish actually, if you could see me, I'm in New York now. Um, I'm in upstate New York, and we have like about two and a half feet of snow outside, and it's like snowing lightly, and it's really lovely. It's wonderful since I don't have yeah. to go anywhere. But um, I've I've been I've heard, I've been told that that's the one thing that New York has over DC is that no matter how cold it gets in New York, at least there's snow. Yeah. DC is just like nasty. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's like shitty cold. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I think when I was younger and there's certainly been New Year's that I've like been out, New Year's Eve's that I've been like out with friends and it's been fun. But for the most part, um, I in general don't love just like being in like a super crowded, sloppy bar. And so, and New Year's is of course the sloppiest. Uh, <laughs> I will say one year I did bartend on New Year's Eve and I made a lot of money. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's just my, it's not my favorite, but I do love, you know, sort of thinking kind of like more New Year's-esque rather than like this specific New Year's Eve. I do love the idea of like welcoming a new year with all these different traditions. Yeah. Speaking of um, the traditions that we welcome the new year with. Yes. Uh, I know that you have a pretty interesting uh, tradition of your own that you'd like to share with all of those listening. <laughs> Yes. So I've never heard of it before, but that's because okay. so many haven't. And, um, you know, as I was saying, like, it's just really interesting to me to think of things that like I not necessarily take for granted, but just like assume are a part of Christmas or New Year's or whatever that other people are like, what on earth are you talking about? Um, so I'll preface this by saying um, in my research, I found that this my tradition is more of like a Christmas oriented tradition than it is New Year's. But okay. I have very clear memories of it being more New Year's. And I think part of that is both like kind of the haze of memory, but then also there's that period, at least in like the US, where you're often out of school as a kid for um, Christmas and New Year's. And my dad was a teacher, so he was always off too. And there's like that kind of two-ish week stretch where like time is completely meaningless and every day you know rolls into the next and you're out sledding and it's you know solstice and it's um christmas and new year's so anyway all that to say this is apparently a christmas tradition maybe it was like christmasy for my family but i very much remember it more on the new year side um and that is the tradition of the um peppermint pig so um on christmas or new year's family members um, get this, like, it depends, you can get different sizes, we would always get a pig um, that's about the size of, like, I would say two fists put together, two smaller fists, um, and it's just this solid pig that's made of peppermint candy, and you put the pig in, um, like, a velvet, a red velvet bag, and you along with it comes a small metal like hammer or mallet and everybody has to hit it and 
so I'll just I'll say first my memory is um my memory is that you would hit it and then however many pieces it broke into was like a sign of how much prosperity you would have in the new year so of course as a kid I took this like very very seriously and would hit it as hard as I could because I wanted like a gajillion pieces um according when I was researching it um it's kind of I guess it's more of a thing where everybody goes around and talks about like their the prosperity of the last year um and what they they loved from the last year and then they hit it and then kind of hit the hit the pig in the bag and pass it um in hopes of ushering in like a year of happiness and prosperity um so just a little bit about kind of the history of it the peppermint pig um is hard candy that is pink and again like in the shape of a pig um and not like a cute pig it's not like cartoonish like it looks like like a hog um and it's, I guess the pig is honored in Victorian holiday tradition as a symbol of good health, happiness, prosperity. Um, so in, um, I think up until like the early 1900s, these were made in Saratoga Springs and then they kind of fell out of fashion, but then they came back in like maybe the eighties or so, but Saratoga is like an hour and a half or so from where I grew up. Um, so it's a relatively regional, um, tradition but yeah you just order the pig and it comes with a bag and a mallet and everybody hits it and then you get all these little pieces of peppermint pig to suck on um and I guess yeah I, that's that's my tradition um just smashing the peppermint pig I in terms of my memory I like have all these memories of um you know, again, smashing it. But also I remember like when we would smash it, they, the pieces are like hard shards. So I always remember that they were really sharp in my mouth. Um, but yeah, so for those who want a peppermint pig of their own, you can, you can get those at the Saratoga, I think it's saratogasweets.com. Um, <laughs> but that's my New Year's tradition. I have so many questions. <laughs> Ask away. Okay, so you said you said that the pig is a sign of good health, happiness, and prosperity. Well, when you think of pigs, do you think of that? <laughs> so interestingly, um, I very much went down. I was going to say the rabbit hole, but for the sake, I'll say I went down the pig hole, the, the hog hole. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, pigs it's really interesting pigs have a lot of different like representations across cultures and across time um so in terms of like new year specifically um in like cuba austria hungary portugal and a few other countries um because pigs represent progress and prosperity pork often appears as a meal for new year's eve okay but it's interesting because you know then there's whole other cultures that don't eat pigs so I started looking more into like variations of pigs in mythology and it really kind of varies from like sacred to demonic um and I'll mention to you before I get too into it that I got a lot of this information from um a website called Terry Windling um she wrote a great or they wrote a great um 
article called The Sacred Pig, which I got a lot of this information from, and then also Trees for Life. Um, I read a lot about the wild boar mythology and folklore. Um, but basically, like, depending on where you are in the world and, like, time-wise, the pig means a lot of different things. So, um, there was, there was a lot of association with, like, fertility, with the moon, with seasons of cycle and death, and then you move more, um, into, like, Greeks and Romans, where it's something to be conquered or ridiculed with, like, Circe turning men into pigs or, um, Theseus slaughtering, like, evil pigs, Um, and then you move into the middle ages where you like more commonly people start thinking about pigs as uncleanly, um, you know, carriers of disease as, um, as things that like, will just eat anything. Um, that's what I think of when I think of pigs. (laughs) Yeah. But like more Neolithic times and kind of prehistoric times really do think of it as like fertility harvest, um, yeah. And then of course you have like the North, the Norse and the um, Celts for whom uh, pigs were like very valued. So I think there's, you know, in terms of like the prosperity, I think a pig can certainly feed a lot of people. So there's right. that thought. Um, <laughs> oh, I did actually want to mention too. I mean, we don't have to go too much into this, but um I was thinking a lot recently about what we were talking about in our last episode about elves and sort of like light elves and dark elves. And you see a bit of that in pig mythology too. (laughs) (laughs) In um, like Irish mythology, pigs are, or Irish folklore really like revered, except for the black pig. And the black pig is like the evil pig and the like harbinger of disease. Um. So yeah, I, that's, that's wild. All about I, pigs. <laughs> pig mythology. We could do an entire episode on pig mythology. Yeah. Oh no, I just totally skimmed the surface here. But there was there was a. I was like so surprised at how much there was to read about pigs, and I was like, crap, we have to record soon. Like, like I thought that the animal that we'd for sure be doing mythology on was cats, and lo and behold, pigs is the real like. <laughs> Well, in good time. All in good time. We have to, of course, wait for Kira to come back for that episode. Yeah, for sure. So we can talk about pigs. Yeah. I'm sure she'd love that. I have. Um, it's uh, what's what is interesting is that I didn't think about this at first, but technically, my tradition also kind of involves pigs. Okay. I can't talk about it now because I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. Okay. But it is kind of way like I. It, it's one of those things. I guess either because things. Uh, because mythology transforms mm-hmm. um, or because of a whole host of other things, uh, we we don't notice the, the significance of some things or like the importances of mm-hmm. some things. I do have a question though. Sure. So you have to buy a peppermint pig. You have to go into a store and buy this pig confection yes uh uh-huh and it's heavy too i'll mention that i mean not like heavy heavy but like it's a solid it's just solid peppermint yeah Mm -hmm. sculpted into a hog yeah it's like molded into a pig and i was actually reading on their website that they use the original like they still use the original casts that they used like long ago at least in the saratoga store um okay 
So is this a kind of elf in the shelf thing where like some company convinced people that this is the ritual that they should maintain for the rest of their lives? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so yes and no. I th- so from what I read, and there's like conflicting accounts, but um, in I think it was like around the first world war when there were rations, it was really hard to get marzipan, which is like a traditional Christmas time candy. And so, um, this Saratoga candy store in upstate New York started making peppermint pigs, um, instead of marzipan and basically being like, this is just as good. And it's also pink and, and it's yummy. And, you know, has, I guess, peppermint flavoring, um, so I think in part it had to do with they just couldn't get the thing that they were used to. Yeah, rations, and then it just became, you know, I mean, I think it's also, you know, it's a very silly thing, um, and it's, you know, I mean, how fun is it to to bring somebody a, a pig in a velvet bag and a small hammer? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like a silly, fun thing. And for us, it was always my my mom's best friend, my auntie Karen, would always bring us. Um, peppermint pig like around christmas time and yeah what kid doesn't like to to smash something okay could i ask you a much more personal question sure have you have you ever gotten cut from a peppermint pig shard i don't think so but like i said like they definitely were super sharp in my mouth that... i remember like running my tongue over it a lot that sounds terrifying <laughs> no it's not that bad i mean it's no different than um like, you know, like a candy cane? Like, you know, when you suck on the end of a candy cane and it gets kind of sharp? Right. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like, like, it's not sharp enough to, like, slice you. It's just kind of like a sharp piece of candy in your mouth. Okay. That, hmm. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, I've no, never... I, I was telling my boyfriend, who's from um, South Carolina last night. Um, right. Or not last night, a couple days ago, I was telling him about it. And... He was like, "You're pulling my leg. Like this is not because <laughs> it does sound made up. Like it does sound. It does yeah, sound made up. Yeah, no. In upstate New York, we always eat the peppermint pig. Um, <laughs> but no, like it's definitely a real thing. I found, you know, and again, it's like a thing that exists in my memory. But then in researching it, it is something that originated in Saratoga. But I found." like a New York Times article about it. I found like an Atlas Obscura um, article. So it's definitely something that's kind of grown in popularity. And I actually went to order one um, and send to my boyfriend's family for Christmas and they're all sold out. So What? Yeah. Well, it's also the shipping in the US right now is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be sucky. But it's surprising that they're, I mean, I guess it's not surprising. Like, if you know that you're making, like, if it is a tradition and, like, you know that you're making it for so many people in uh, in upstate New York where this is popular, right. you kind of get into a habit of, you know, you, you know you're going to make this much and you know you're going to sell out when you make this much. So right. why not? Why make more if right. <laughs> these are the people that are using it and stuff? But I would love, I would genuinely love <laughs> And I'm going to actually try to make sure that kid doesn't listen to this episode. I would absolutely love to, like, just one year, just 
put a peppermint pig in a velvet bag <laughs> on the kitchen counter. It's like, do not touch until New Year's. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is there a pig on the counter? Here's this small metal hammer. Um, <laughs> I hope I don't know like what my mom, because we would get a, you know, a new hammer every year. Oh, so you just have a collection of peppermint pig hanger, hammers? I'm sure my mom does. I'll have to ask her what she does with them. <laughs> <laughs> That this uh, this just keeps keeps on getting weirder and weirder, because now so now what you're describing to me is that every New Year there's like a collection of families in upstate New York with a small collection of hammers with yeah. which they do nothing. We give them to the elves. <laughs> which, by the way, I also just want to mention that like in the last episode, I talk about how I like believe in elves, and that's not true i don't like what i was trying to say and was like not articulating well is i i believe in like the the possibility no it's not even that it's that like i like i think that there are things that happen that we can't explain and that you know whether we say it's god or elves or the wind or whatever like i think it's okay to like think that there are things beyond our scope of imagination but like, right. do I actually think that there are like elves just hanging out? I don't. I believe I don't. it. I believe it. Yeah. I could. I could. I'm not sure that I do, but I certainly could. I also think like going. You know, I mean, like in the same way, like talking about rituals. Like, I I'm gonna show my own ignorance here because I can't remember what this is. But there's um there's a Jewish tradition um where they leave a plate out for I think it's Elijah on a certain holiday and they just like leave a plate of food out for him. I'm unfortunately um, not familiar with this. Yeah. And I should probably like actually do my research research before I start talking about stuff. But I think that like, there are like traditions where you like, like or even like leaving cookies out for Santa or like leaving, you know, there's like things that I think are just a really nice, like whether or not they are a hundred percent factually true are a really nice tradition and kind of connection to the past and to, because that's what a tradition really is, right? I mean, it's a way to kind of continue on connections from generation to generation to generation um, while like looking forward, also honoring the past. So, I mean, maybe not that's what a peppermint pig is, but. (laughs) (laughs) Could I ask how much on average is a peppermint pig? Sure. Um, so a large peppermint pig is twenty six ninety nine. <laughs> I looked this morning. Um, medium is twenty one ninety nine, and then you can get a small too. I think we would usually get like the medium ish ones, which, like I said, were like one to two fists large, depending on how big your hands are. Um, wow. No, you need to go for the like. If if the whole point is to have as many pieces as possible. Because that's the symbol of, like, prosperity. Shouldn't you, like, go big or go home? Like, shouldn't you get a big... Yeah, for sure. Get a big one. Did you... Have you gotten one this year? No. For yourself? No. For your boyfriend? No. Um, I don't know if we will, actually, because, like I said, like, my Auntie Karen... So, that's actually... And, like, talking about traditions, too, I was thinking a lot about how we have a lot of traditions that um, my family is most of my family is from like Ireland and the UK. So we have like some boxing day and some traditions that have a lot to do with kind of like visiting folks after the holidays, um, which we won't be doing this year because um, 
you know, there's a pandemic. So, but yeah. like, along with that is like, you know, every New Year or every Christmas Eve, my mom's friend um, and her husband, my auntie Karen, um, you know, would come over and we would have um, like a very specific suit before the church service and exchange gifts. And, you know, she, they're not going to come this year because, you know, so, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to still have that meal. I don't know if we're, you know, we're obviously not going to exchange the peppermint pig this year. Um, and there, yeah, I've just been sort of thinking a lot about how, and I don't necessarily think it's a, a bad thing. I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to kind of rethink their traditions and their mm-hmm. um, relationship to like ritual. Um, but I think things are definitely going to look different this year, including I don't think we'll get a peppermint pig. That's no, I'm sad. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Like I hear this incredible story about this incredible pig. <laughs> I know you won't have one this year. I feel really bad. I'll eat two next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think this year deserves, honestly, 2020 doesn't deserve a peppermint pig. If there's any time to mash up a pig right now <laughs> and bring prosperity, I think everybody on the planet should get peppermint pig. We need, we need as much luck as we can get going into 2021. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's actually super cool. Isn't there, and I, again, like, I didn't do my research on this, so I won't talk too much about it. But, like, you know, I when I think, too, of, like, pigs, I think of, like, Chinese New Year. Because um, wasn't the year of the pig recently? You know, I don't recall. I think the last, let me double check actually, because I think the last year was the year of the rat. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the Chinese New Year um, 2020 was the year of the rat. Okay. And I don't know what 2021 will be because I don't know it by heart. It's very possible that, um, oh, next year is the year of the ox. Okay. I don't know what the. Uh, if I could figure out what the ox signifies. Well, um, I'll let you say, I do, like, I remember, because another thing that my family was always really good at, my grandma in particular, she was always really great about doing, like, traditions and foods from around the world. Like, that was always, you know, she would do her best to do, like, a Chinese New Year where she would make Chinese food and, you know, things like that. And that I I loved, um, when I was little, too, my, my mom would... Um, on New Year's often when we were kids just to occupy us like she would have us do different traditions from around the world um but yeah I just all that to say I just remember I definitely remember there being like year of the pig stuff and and pig being like prosperity and luck and things like that Hmm. it's possible I like the only, I know very little, unfortunately, about um, what the Chinese, uh, and I, I, literally everything that I know about um, uh, the Chinese Zodiac is from watching Jackie Chan Adventures. So I'm, I'm not at all an authority to speak on this. Um, I can't recall, I remember that the, the snake was cunning. 2019, 2019 was year of the pig. 2019 was the year of the pig? Yeah. That's what happened. We lost all our prosperity when we ended up in 2020. Uh, The rat is supposed to be, because I'm looking it up now, the rat in the Chinese zodiac, um, I think is also supposed to be like about intellect or something like that. Okay. Um, But I can't actually recall. 
Um, we're going to have to do, of course, we have to do that with a lot more research, but I would certainly love to like do a, an episode on the Chinese Zodiac. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, especially perhaps, ah, I know what we'll do. We'll try to do one for the Chinese New Year in 2021. Oh, fun. Okay. Aha. Uh, so the rat is supposed to be quick-witted, resourceful, versatile, and kind. I'm not sure that we got a lot of quick-witted and resourceful in 2020. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we've I don't know. just I mean, failed to appease the gods. In terms of like resourceful, I mean, and this is like not in any way to make light of the complete tragedy and grief of this, but I do think people were forced to like make something out of a year that gave very little. And in that sense, it was resourceful. Yeah. But that's fair. That's fair. That's reasonable. Um, the personality traits associated with the ox, which is 2021, is diligent, dependable, strong, and determined. Um, so, I mean, here's to hoping that we have a much more strong and dependable 2020, I guess. For real. Yeah. Well, we won't have a pepper. I won't have a peppermint pig to, to welcome my new year. But, oh my gosh, my... <laughs> My boyfriend knows that he just woke up and he just texted me because he knows we're recording. And he said, good morning, my peppermint pig. I think you're smashing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, More sweetie. Anyway, so yeah, we won't have a peppermint pig to welcome this new year, but I, I'm okay with it. Can you do, can you do the peppermint pig within the year? Like at any point, like any other time? No, that's the other thing is you can only buy, at least in Saratoga, where I think we get it because it's close to us, but also I think there's something nice about kind of like getting it at the original place. Um, right. So it's, I looked on the website uh, this morning and they're only available October through January. Shit. Yeah. So. This is so wild. <laughs> I'm getting one. I'm getting one for next year by hook or by crook. And I'm going to convince. <laughs> I'm gonna convince you. Know it's like I, I did a lot of research on this. Like I did a lot of like New Year's Eve type research where I was like, what on earth am I gonna talk about? Because it didn't even occur to me that the peppermint pig was like a weird thing. Really? You just like did you think that uh, when you said that it wasn't weird, did you mean that obviously people know about it or obviously people outside of upstate New York do it? Neither. I meant that it's like such a commonplace, like it wasn't even something I thought of as an out of the ordinary thing because it's, I'm so used to that just being like a part of the, like it didn't even occur to me as a thing. I actually literally found that I found the peppermint pig on a list that was like New Year's traditions from around the world. And I was like, wait, the peppermint pig isn't so like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, I think I'm just. I think I just think about those things different. Like I think all traditions are inherently weird. So yeah. like even the ones that for that for me are relatively normal. Um, I don't know how to tell the story. Like there was this one time that I was in church for a new for like a I can't remember if it was a Christmas night or a a, a New Year's service or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I wasn't an adult, but I was certainly old enough to like cognitively recognize that I was in church of my own volition. I wasn't being dragged Mm -hmm. by my grandmother because I was nine or something. Sure. I was like in like 12 or 13 or something. And they were doing the communion. Um, 
And I distinctly remember thinking, this is really strange. <laughs> Someone just like starts, and like nobody like says, you should come and do this. We just right. all decide when the right song plays and the organ, and, and also organs are terrifying no matter what they're playing. So, <laughs> and I'm in an Anglican church, and the organ starts playing this particular song every time. Yeah. And then everyone just stands up, and yeah. I'm like, what the... And I just immediately think, wait, wait, if someone if someone was walking into this for the very first time, the, the correct response is, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> or is this, is this some sort of ritual sacrifice? And technically it is. We're, being, we're all standing up to eat someone's flesh, figuratively, of course, mm-hmm. depending on if you're Roman Catholic or not. They think, which makes it even weirder, they think that they're actually eating Jesus Christ's body and blood. Body and blood, yeah. Body of Christ. Well, what? there's also, like, I remember um, when we had, like, an exchange student, well, we, I mean, we, there were a bunch of exchange students in my high school, but I remember in maybe, like, ninth or 10th grade, one pointed out how weird it was that we all stood for the Pledge of Allegiance. It, that was also strange, yeah. But, but, like, it was similar where I had that, like, cognitive moment of, like, oh, yeah, that is, like, I, I do that willingly every day. Without even thinking about it, you know? I mean, yeah. it's such a... Like, I pledge my allegiance to a flag every day. For very little, like, reason. Very little, like, cognizance. Yeah. Trinidad, we don't have stuff like that. Not really. So, yeah, like, people... The, like, nationalism. I mean... Yeah. If we want to talk about rituals, we could do a lot on the <laughs> US of A. Yeah, probably. But... Um, before we end up talking about that all day, um, we're going to take a quick break. And then after that, I'm going to talk about my, uh, New Year's tradition, uh, which is interesting because most of it, I didn't even internalize as a tradition until like I started digging up about it and like learning about it myself. So that's going to be fun to talk about. Stay tuned. So every old year's night when I was younger, my grandmother would be in the kitchen cooking black-eyed peas and rice with some salted pork until right before the clock struck 12. She'd been doing it since I was little, since I was too young to think of it as anything more than just her cooking for her family. I never thought much of it at all until one year I couldn't eat it anymore when I became vegetarian. So this was my family's ritual, the thing that we thought would bring us into the new year with prosperity and joy. As it turned out, it wasn't something that my family just made up. Apparently in the southern US, there's an established tradition of having an old year's bowl of something called Hoppin' John, a dish consisting of black-eyed peas, green leafy vegetables, and a choice of different meats. It was thought that the peas, symbolizing coins, were a sign of good luck. The veggies, too, represented the green of the almighty American dollar, also representing prosperity and wealth. Of course, you, like me, are likely wondering what this has to do with a boy growing up not in the southern USA, but in the Caribbean, where the money isn't green. And honestly, I wouldn't be able to tell you how my family stumbled onto this ritual. Like many families of the African diaspora, unfortunately, the rituals that my family had left were likely loose assortments of things we picked up along the way. 
random folk tales that stuck with my parents' parents long enough to become how they behaved. But there are instances of dishes similar to Hoppin' John hopping across the Caribbean Sea, though maybe not with the same rituals attached. There's the Guyanese cook-up rice, um, Peru has something called taku-taku, and even Trinidad and Tobago's all-too-common pelao. If I'm honest, that's part of why I never paid too much attention to my grandmother cooking peas and rice in the kitchen on old years. I just thought she was making pelao. The only strange thing was that she cooked so late at night on old years every year that every, while everyone else was watching fireworks or trying their best to sleep. There's another reason, of course, that my granny cooked so late. It also meant that there was sure to be food the next day. That didn't just mean that we w- would have food the next day, but that that was another sign of prosperity. The leftovers, often called skipping Jenny, was an even further sign of good luck. And the way my grandmother used to cook, God's bless her soul, there was always more good luck in the kitchen. Unfortunately, it's not a ritual that I've been able to partake in for a long time. I've been a vegetarian for almost a decade now, which kind of takes dishes with salted pork off the table for me. But maybe I might still be cooking some plain old black-eyed peas and rice the night before the world turns. So, yeah, that's that's my ritual, I guess. Wow. <laughs> or was my ritual at the very least. So... Okay, a couple of questions. Like, did you yes, actually please. call it Hoppin' John? No, we didn't. We didn't call it Hoppin' John. We didn't call it anything. We just it called it... Wait, wait. An old... We just called it our old year's meal. I think that we've, we never really, like, gave it a name. And that's why I also think that it was just something that my, uh, that my grandparents just kind of stumbled upon. Okay. If that makes sense. We don't have any, like, lineage in the southern U.S.? Not that I know, but that's also the thing too, is that like here in the Caribbean, um, being able to track one's family line. Sure. Yeah, it's it's not really possible. Mm-hmm. So it's possible so it's I mean it's theoretically possible that we have some lineage, some connection to the southern US, but if we do, nobody knows it. I don't know it for sure. And my mom doesn't know it. I've asked her about it and she was just like, This is a thing that we do. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a thing that we do. No, I love that. I mean, we, so I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, my mom and grandma were always really good about trying to incorporate like rituals, like worldly rituals into like New Year's or, you know, other holidays. Um, Mm -hmm. And one thing that we would do on New Year's when I was little, little was take dried black eyed peas and make them into like maracas or shakers to shake like at midnight, we would go outside on the porch and shake them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, But another like black eyed, I I don't know if that's something that she just, my mom just like made up. I mean, I don't think it was like made up, made up, but I I am wondering how. Like whether there's some kind of connection, just like some connection to black eyed peas. I mean, I think there is, I think there is like the black eyed peas, like, you know, as you were saying, like there's the color, there's the, um, you know, the idea of prosperity, but, you know, this was like, it wasn't pre-internet in like the truest sense, but it was like pre any of us going on the internet. Okay. Um, So I don't know like where, you know, I mean, we would would also always eat like Swedish meatballs on New Year's Eve. So I don't, you know, I don't know why, why we would do any of those things. There's a lot of eating on New Year's Eve. Definitely a lot of, well, because you're drinking, because it's champagne. You have to fill your tongue. Um, 
But anyway, so I also, I love, I'd never heard of this before, but I love the idea of like the leftovers being a sign of prosperity. Yeah, that makes sense to me, like in a much more like visceral sense. Just the fact that you have food to enter the new year with, I think kind of immediately made sense. And again, that's, I think that's what I just kind of, that's the most that I had internalized about this as a, like as a ritual is that there was food in the fridge when the new year met us. Right. Um, but that was also just like a sign of my, um, of my parents and my grandparents, like functional OCD. Like they were very, my, my, my mom and my grandmom were very, very passionate about a couple of things. You couldn't have uh, dirty clothes of any kind meet you in the new year. Oh, so we God. always, yeah, so we always washed clothes on old year's afternoon. Because you could not have dirty clothes. It was not possible. And it was like this big, that, that was almost a ritual unto itself. Like everybody had to, and you had to make sure that you showered early in the morning. So that we could wash all the clothes in the house in the afternoon. I get that though. Because I you couldn't like, have, yes, you couldn't have dirty clothes in the year. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was just weird. I just thought that my mom was losing it. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm not necessarily that strict, but I definitely adhere to that kind of idea. Uh, like, cause I, I always do like a huge clean of my apartment on New Year's or like in January and, you know, it's time to organize and. Really? Yeah. I think the, the deepest that I've ever gotten is that I make sure that I have a new day planner. Besides that, like <laughs> January is just a month of the year for me. Yeah, I guess. Well, I, I'm definitely. Like superstitious. No, I mean, I guess not superstitious in that. Like, I genuinely think something bad will happen, but I, I do like the opportunity to kind of like welcome. Stop fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I wonder too about the like leftovers. If that also has some sort of tie or lineage to um, both like gender and kind of like servitude. So thinking through like. That way, you know, the family can really be together on New Year's Day and nobody's in the kitchen or working or cooking. Or also, like, that might have been a day, especially in the South, where people were given, like, you know, cooks and servants were given the day off. Hmm. It, it, it's, it, that is actually an interesting thing. Like, I don't know whether it is connected to gender at all, but servitude certainly comes up because... Um, like this was, or some version of this was also relatively popular, um, at least in my little research, was relatively popular among um, enslaved people, uh, both during and subsequently, I guess, after slavery. It, it's possible, in fact, that the name Hoppin' John is itself a corruption of a Haitian Creole term. Um, so in Haitian Creole, the term for black-eyed peas is Poor pigeon. Okay. Right? <laughs> but if you don't know what that is, <laughs> if you don't know that what they're saying is black eyed peas, you would hear Hoppin' John, probably. Um, and that itself, just the fact that it's um, a, a Haitian Creole term immediately kind of makes sense to me that there is some kind of um, connection to slavery, mm-hmm. um, just as, as well as the fact that it's popular and I think only popular in the southern US. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, like, if you just took the meal at its constituent parts, like black-eyed peas, which um, is not one of the most expensive beans that one can buy. 
Um, and then usually the, well, with the exception of Bacon, which I think is an, a kind of a modern adaptation of it, um, the choices of meats that were mostly associated with this meal and what which was true for my family as well were also the least expensive part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I do, I do think that there is... Um, I do think that there's some connection to this meal and slavery, which makes it feel a little bit weird, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting that we've managed to transform that not into, well, uh, a, like uh, something uh, that people just do because it's cheap, but but instead something that we do to bring in prosperity or to imagine uh, a bounty for us and our families in the future, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I, well, I also wondered, like, specifically about the pork angle. You know, if that had any, you know, you have your own peppermint, pet, you have your own. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, technically, because m- almost almost every version of this has some pig byproduct. <laughs> um, it's either um, bacon or ham. Okay. Um. Well, I wonder um, some people have... substitute some people substitute pork for turkey. Do you so. have um like a traditional Christmas meal in Trinidad Tobago? Oh, so yes. Um, it's almost all alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know how people do fruitcake in the U.S. <laughs> I just know that in every sit- every single sitcoms. Uh, Christmas episode there's a joke about how fruitcake is so bad yeah so we do something like fruitcake it's called black cake right um it's exactly like fruitcake except all the fruits are soaked in rum and then after the the uh cake comes out to the oven the cake is also soaked in rum um yes it's a rum cake um it's super strong it's super good I wanted to make one this year um, but I was promptly informed that I couldn't. Oh, no. Uh, well, the, the reason why it makes total sense. In, to make a good black cake, your, your fruits have to be soaking the year before. It's like in order for me to in order for me to make fruit cake, in order for me to make black cake next year, I have to get fruits and put them to soak today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's great, though. It's the one thing that I miss about um, about how I guess I used to celebrate Christmas with my family is that um, my my grandmother, um, God rest her soul, um, uh, used to make a wicked black cake. I don't think I don't think to this day I've had a black cake that reminds me of my grandmother to this day. It's actually the reason why I wanted to try it um, because. Uh, it's not, it's, I've never tried to do it for myself. Um, there was a period in time where I was not consuming alcohol at all. That mm-hmm. time has since passed. <laughs> um, life is too stressful to not have uh, a couple of drinks. Um, and I thought it'd be cool for me to try and to see if I could kind of reconnect with, um, reconnect with that tradition in that way. Uh, but yeah, there's that thing that's black cake. Well, um, you guys have like a, um, I think this is, you know, again, very like both Eurocentric and like, uk centric for my family but but ham is always the christmas yeah ham is a big thing for us down here as well so i wonder Um, if that has to do with 
Hop and John too, where there was just like leftover ham. Oh yeah, no, for real. Because like when my when my grandmother used to cook it, if there was leftover ham, which itself was a kind of Christmas miracle, mm-hmm. um, we would we would incorporate that in the meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, my she would always just kind of go out and get some salted pork instead. Sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's a big part of it. What, it. It reminds me immediately that from the moment I became vegetarian, I kind of ruined Christmas and New Year's for my family, just kind of accidentally. No, um, I mean, that. No, I mean, well, that's how traditions work, right? Is that there is a kind of... In order for there to be a ritual performance, there has to be some kind of almost ritual guilt around it. <laughs> no, that's the, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense to no, you. No, I do. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I was in a similar boat where I, I didn't eat meat for like eight or nine years. Um, I do now. But, you know, there is that disappointment where you can't take part in something that's very meaningful or... Yeah, but then also like it changes the family dynamic, right? So, like when I when I stopped eating meat, I was still very much a minor, yeah, right? <laughs> and I was still very much living in my mother's house. Um, and and so you, you cook for your whole family, and then you put out all the um, all the plates and the and everyone sitting down to eat, and then I sit down at the table and I just have some toast. <laughs> and a cup of tea and I was like and so everybody's like well you're not gonna sit and eat with us and like I'm done like there's nothing right. else on this right. table that I can consume um I just kind of uh I guess soured the whole thing for a lot of folks and then and then because of that I've also which is also a kind of unfortunate thing which is why I wanted to get back into like making black cake it's the reason why we buy copious amounts of puncha creme every Christmas as well, which is another thing that we do a lot. It's like eggnog, except stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, stronger meaning it has alcohol? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like a Tom and Jerry? I don't know. What a, what's a Tom and Jerry? It's like basically like eggnog with, I think with rum. Yeah, always I think is rum as well. Yeah. Yes. Everything yeah. that we do on Christmas is... Everything that we do for Christmas is either ham or alcohol. That's that's basically Christmas in Trinidad. Ham and alcohol. I mean, what more could you want? <laughs> that's the ultimate Christmas present. So literally every year um, since... Yeah, this is basically every year since Kira and I started dating. We buy like 10 bottles of Panchakram. Wow. Yeah. To be fair, we're not absolute alcoholics. We actually, but this is technically no, worse. We give bottles of alcohol as gifts. We yeah, give people bottles of alcohol as I'm gifts. I'm reacting more to like, because it's a creamy drink, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just not, that's not for me. <laughs> Wait, really? You don't like milky beverages? Not really. Really? Why? Uh, just a thing, just not for you? Yeah, I think it's like a consistency thing. I mean, you know, if it's like dead of summer, maybe I'll have like a chocolate malt or something. But like, I don't, okay. I don't want to drink. I'm not a big creamy drink person. Okay, that's fair. I can't imagine myself not having a smooth creamy punch of creme for Christmas. I could have like a- one. Like I could have like one, but I don't know if I would have ten bottles 
<laughs> Five of which are for us. Yeah, that's a that's. But I that's mean, I love too a, little. To, I love like hot toddies. Oh yeah, we spoke about hot toddies before. I still never had one. Yeah, I don't think I actually even make them right, but <laughs> I like my hot toddies anyway. Um, okay, so you buy these ten bottles of cream. Yeah, every yeah ten bottles of cream every Christmas. <laughs> Of creamy alcohol. Um, and fill up on that what, so you can't have the ham. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since I can't have the ham, they, uh, the least that I can do is get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are other things that we do for Christmas. Um, but most of them, honestly... So, okay. So, what my family used to do is that we'd bake way too much bread. Um, but homemade bread is like a big staple for us for Christmas. You can't buy bread at Christmas. Something's terribly wrong with you if you do that. Um, like just we, regular bread? Yeah, just regular, just regular bread. Um, okay. uh, what we'll do as well, but I and I want to do it every Christmas, but Kay hates this stuff. There's this thing that we um that we buy or like some people make that's called hot chow okay um it's i don't even know that i can describe that for people it's it's a garnish of um piccadilly and tropical fruits and veggies oh like pickle you mean yeah yeah we have chow chow too wait really yeah we eat chow chow Shit, that's. <laughs> I had no idea that that was something that existed outside of, which is interesting. I literally just looked it up, and apparently Tennessee has their own hot chow. So this is have... fucking with me now. And this is actually a New Year's thing for us, although I don't know if it's a New Year's like. So every um, like January ish, my um, again not not this year, of course, but my mom's side of the family my my mom's mom so my grandma's brother and his wife come to visit and they have lineage uh in South Dakota and before that in Ireland and the UK and their their families were all miners and so we always eat um pasties which are like um like hand pies which are both very Midwestern and very like you know, that kind of like Irish UK. And then what you eat on them is my grandma makes chow chow, which is like, I mean, it's a, it's a variety of things. It depends. I actually, um, maybe like a year ago, my grandma found her great grandmother's handwritten chow chow recipe, which is like vinegar and like whatever vegetables are around a pickle. So whether it's like cauliflower or cucumber or whatever um but i think i associate it with new year's because they would always come in january i don't know if it's actually a new year's thing Uh, we need to start recording we need to start video recording these episodes because if you saw the look on my face (laughs) i just always thought that this was a like such a uniquely caribbean thing that i've just never brought it up with a bunch of other folks outside of trinidad and tobago because i love chow chow how do you even spell chow chow or chow we spell it C-H-O-W, but we don't say chow-chow. Well, some people say chow-chow, some people say hot-chow. I usually say chow-chow. Um, 
But I always thought it was like is... a Midwest kimchi. It... But I guess I'm... Why? I think it doesn't... I associated it with, you know, like the kind of South Dakota side of that family. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I just okay. assumed it was like a Midwestern thing. Or Irish or, you you know. No, I can't because I've also, I'm also seeing this label um, that says chow chow home style southern relish and now and now i can't help but wonder whether just like all of the things that my family <laughs> have come to understand is just deeply southern but nobody knows how or why and my life is turned upside down but in a good way i, I like i generally don't know what to do with all of this information but i feel like i must this is so fucking just the idea that you could get firstly this is makes me kind of upset because I was evidently in the US in December last year and did not at all think that I could get chow chow, so I didn't even try. Well, I've never and, seen it. I, I've only had my grandma make it. Like, I've never seen it in a store. Oh, okay. Wouldn't it be wild if you could get it in a store in the US, though? You might be able to. I might just not be. But, but nonetheless, if we had known, I could have gotten some from my grandma for you. <laughs> Uh, I, it, especially when it comes to, and this is something that I said earlier about like how, um, for the African diaspora, the kind of traditions that we have are just kind of like a hodgepodge of things that we got along the way. Mm-hmm. Just the, I, just the fact that, uh, things that we thought would like so uniquely us that they didn't have an explanation or they defied explanation. Sure. When in fact other people have them and probably have other explanations for them, probably have explanations for us. Right. Um that we just never had is kind of Yes and it's no. kind of astounding. I mean I do think I think you're you're very right, but I also think like one of the like one of the things that was so interesting about this episode for me and about exploring these different traditions is like you know you know with the peppermint pig I thought that was a new year's thing but in reading it it was really more of a Christmas thing um you know you thought chow chow is like just a your family thing I thought it was a South Dakota thing or an Irish thing you know so I think that there's um I think it's really interesting to see how families and you know to kind of go from the way larger picture into that really micro level of like how does a world or a country or a region celebrate something but then also really break down how does like a family do it and then that also opens up a lot of opportunity for how are you going to do it in the future yeah i think that's the interesting thing about uh traditions that involve food as well yeah like food and snacks and stuff is that if there's one thing about a culture that is at least to me, most likely to travel, it's food. Sure. Because you have that opportunity to be like, well, I really enjoyed this thing when I was here. Um, and they do it for Christmas. So maybe it's a Christmas thing or you bring it back to your family or to your community at this particular point in time. And that's when you introduce it to them. And that's just when it when it makes sense to them subsequent to that regardless of whether or not what my be thing is and then it, because because families like eat together well i mean four mm-hmm. families that eat together um and partake in that 
that kind of ritual of sharing a meal with each other that takes on its own meaning even if those things don't necessarily have a meaning or not so like um eating bread and ham with my family isn't a tradition in a kind of generational sense but when i was living with my family like if if we weren't cutting if we weren't cutting bread together um on chris on christmas day something was terribly wrong right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um and it just never felt the same the first year that i didn't when i um moved in with my now wife right um there was just something about christmas that felt less Christmassy because you just kind of have these things kind of built into the way that you imagine uh imagine that time of year but there's also the beauty of like what you were saying with the um rum cake you know when you might not do it this year but like when you do do that you know that'll be such a beautiful connection to your grandmother but it'll also be kind of mine too right absolutely I yeah I had the um the good fortune last year, my, my grandmother passed her famous Christmas saffron bun recipe to me and taught me how to make them. And, you know, she's still around to make them, thankfully. Um, but there is like, there, there's such a beauty and especially with food, like there's a beauty in the sharing of that and also the physicality of that kind of like food memory ritual tradition. Okay. How did you feel the first year you couldn't do the peppermint pig? Like, I think this might be the first year. <laughs> oh, shucks! Really? So, um, like, so even so, like, even when you were living in DC, like, you would always move back to New York, and you would always. I've I've there. always come back for. I've only there's only been one year in my life that I haven't been in New York for for Christmas. Um, and I was living abroad that year. Um, so yeah, we've always done it. Um. I, I mean, you know, in terms of not doing it this year, I, I feel relatively indifferent. I think if it was maybe like a larger part, I, and I mean, but that also just could be because like this year is so weird in general. Like I've gone into this holiday with no expectations because um, I just know everything's going to look different and be different. Um, and I'm just grateful that I get time with my family at all. Um. But yeah, I think, I mean, I do think in thinking through sort of the future and like when I'm doing my own kind of traditions and and making my own home and life and path, I think that those things will kind of always have a little bit like, you know, that kind of bittersweet, like grief and happiness that you have these shared memories, but also that, you know, that time moves. (laughs) Mm, That's fair. For me, it's like especially because of COVID-19 this it it feels even more important to like have and maintain these kinds of traditions I think if it were Mm -hmm. me in that position and and this year was the first year that I couldn't do something it would feel weirder it would feel worse Mm -hmm. because of how because of how shitty the year has been and how much has changed so like um Kara and I do have something of a ritual that we've been doing, um, as well as buying copious amounts of alcohol to stick in the fridge. We have, uh, like, me and a bunch of other friends that we play Dungeons & Dragons with, we have, like, a rotating Christmas one-shot where we would go um, by somebody's house 
um, and someone new would be the dungeon master every time I would play mm-hmm. a Christmas specific Dungeons and Dragons game on that day. Um, and we'd have a bunch of alcohol and we'd bring a bunch of snacks and we'd just like laugh and joke and have a good time. Um, and we were wondering whether this year that was possible because obviously, um, but we really wanted to make the effort and like, we've obviously asked folks to be safe and to be considerate. And sure. if you don't think that you're in a position to, it's totally fine. Um, if you've been asked folks, if they want to do it virtually instead, we really, um, kind of, we were really adamant. We want to try to have a Christmas one shot this year because we just like everybody else who's experiencing this, um, have had their kind of traditional, their everyday life, radically transformed because of this and while obviously we should be um doing everything within our power to stay safe it's also super important at this time in times like this to still have community and still have traditions that kind of help us make sense of um our ourselves and our world and our connection to other people yeah i mean i remember like way back in march which feels like 700 years ago um you know all the like quote unquote experts were saying as we were like being locked down and, and forced to, to be in ho- at home, you know, maintain a ritual, like maintain yeah. a schedule. Um, Cause I think that was like definitely one of the first things people started being like, holy shit, like how do I organize my day if I'm not like at the coffee shop at seven 30 and at work at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that gets very much exacerbated by holidays and, so keeping any kind of community and ritual is important if it can be done, yeah. you know, as safely as possible. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad for you that you're not getting a peppermint pig this year. Like I actually want to stop what I'm doing and try to find a peppermint pig for you. That's it's super sweet. Um, I mean, maybe I'll make a, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a pig mold. Where would I find a pig mold? <laughs> You can just try to like chisel out, just like buy a bunch of peppermint yeah. and like melt it. And melt it. <laughs> um, that could be horrifying. Um, I say that I, I mean, never fear. I will have enough peppermint and cookies and sweet treats to to get me through. And maybe I'll just find something else to smash with a hammer. Or I mean, you could try to um, cook some black eyed peas this year. Instead. Or make a shaker. Maybe I'll make a shaker. Oh, you know, yeah, actually, about, yeah. I know we were like out of time, but we also didn't. T- I I was thinking you had mentioned this like way early on, um, like fireworks. That to me is a New Year's tradition. I hate New Year's fireworks. Oh, I do too. I'm not. I'm in general not a huge firework person. Um, but I think that's also like one of the interesting things about um, traditions, especially like new year's traditions but it's also obviously like when we recorded our um our elves episode <laughs> that was um not a great time in terms of fireworks <laughs> but i i just like it's like these kinds of traditions are cool people coming together as families as communities um to do this one thing to share this one moment with each other um that allows them to kind of reimagine themselves their future their relationships with other people and then sometimes we just literally blow things up in the sky <laughs> to demonstrate that we're having a good time like you can find anything else to do 
<laughs> well, and again, in like, at least my part of the country, it's very cold. So you have to go outside and stand <laughs> to like, no, thank you. I would rather not. Um, <laughs> but I am. Can I tell you? Sorry, go ahead. I want to tell you a fun um, fireworks story. After you go this. first. You go first. Okay, so this is this is mostly why I've officially like signed off on fireworks, right? Um, there's this one time, and this was actually a Christmas event, right? Um, I used to work for this um, uh, spoken word organization here in Trinidad and Tobago that for a lot of reasons that unfortunately I can't discuss on a podcast, I don't anymore, right? But when I still was... Um, they were having this kind of Christmas event. They used, they were trying to do this every year where they talk about all of the things that they've done really well and all of the fantastic things that have happened mm-hmm. for them and for spoken word and Trinidad and Tobago, blah, 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 every Christmas. And I think this was like their um, fifth, like their f- five-year anniversary. And then they had also pull off, pulled off this really big poetry slam for the very first time. So they decide in front of the in front of the founder's house um, to light fireworks in the yard. Oh, no, no. Now, it's especially funny because this was literally the first time that this person had ever actively, physically engaged with fireworks. He was like, yeah, what could go wrong? This should be be so simple, right? Pyrotechnics. You just stick it in. (laughs) Yeah, what could go wrong? You just stick it into the ground, you light a match, you stick it under it, fireworks yay it had rained (coughs) earlier that day and he has just like a um it's not uh it's not a lawn per se it's just like very low cut grass with like very um mushy soil so the whole place is soggy right like we were sitting in plastic chairs in the yard and we were just kind of sinking into the yard Mm -hmm. so he uh, and I don't know if he thought that that would make it sturdier when he stuck the fireworks into the lawn. But it just, and as soon as he lit the match and lit it under it, the entire fireworks tilted toward the house. Oh, and it had already lit. So he just literally had to hope for the best. And everybody's like, brother, this is a bad idea. But he had already lit it. We just kind of had to hope for the best. And this firework just, like, it lit. And then because the ground was so soft, it just started spinning. It was basically, we were playing Russian roulette against our will oh with this hostile firework. <laughs> and everybody just kind of ducking and bobbing and weaving out the way. Thankfully, nobody was injured. But it is both the most terrifying and the most exhilarating experience I have ever had oh on my planet Earth. My there was a moment where... One, because it's one of those fireworks where like just a bunch of them start flying out, like six or seven of them. And one of them, I kid you not, flies right in front of my face. And I'm literally just, I I want to say I was looking cool, like I was leaning back like that scene in the Matrix. But literally, (laughs) I was falling back in sheer fright at the fact that I would get my face blown off because this this absolute crazy person thought it would be okay to light fireworks for the very first time in a crowd of 40 people. Oh my God. He didn't light his house on fire. Nobody got injured. I can't say what happened to the neighbor's house. I never went back to a Christmas event, I think. Not at that house, at least. It never. Fireworks bad. 
and since then I don't fuck with fireworks I don't want anything to do with them <laughs> yeah disclaimer to all of our listeners please um firework possibly yeah and also like don't do it in a neighborhood with and people underestimate this part of the reason why I don't like fireworks as well is I have five cats yeah we do not respond well to fireworks like if you're going to do that stuff like do you but do it outside of a residential neighborhood folks people are just trying to keep their animals safe um yeah like just don't be a dick ask your neighbors you know what i wish people would do more often if you're going to light fireworks in your neighborhood ask your neighbors first if this is okay that'd be great i'd really appreciate that myself Someone came over and said, look, I really want to do this. I'm planning to do it at so-and-so time. And I, I might actually be even willing to be like, well, you know what? Now that you've given me some advance notice, maybe I'll see if I could figure out a way to keep my cats inside or keep them like in a particular room so that they're mm-hmm. not too freaked out by it. But some people don't have that option literally because people just be doing whatever the fuck they want with fireworks at like 6 a.m., 6 p.m., all the way up in like two o'clock in the morning and, the, and and their dog is like freaking out and can't go outside or there um i had uh f- like some people they have their animals on leashes outside and you don't get to them in time when like shit starts popping off and it's it's unfortunate for a lot of people like just be just be considerate jesus this is reminding me of um the the great fireworks conspiracy of 2020 in the u.s which is a fireworks conspiracy yeah i i literally don't have the energy to talk about it but basically like the like two main times there are fireworks in the u.s are fourth of july and new year's right and um around fourth of july for like weeks they were there were just a ton of like rogue fireworks going off which is not super unusual at least within like the week of july 4th right um but it was like weeks on either side and there was like some i honestly don't even remember it fully but there was some conspiracy online that like the government was giving children fireworks to like mask the sound of something else I don't even honestly wait what (laughs) I don't I shouldn't have even opened my mouth because I hardly even know what I'm talking about I just remember there was a lot of like Twitter discourse about fireworks and government conspiracies there's a whole New York Times article about fireworks conspiracy theories well there you go Um, what the fuck but we are so off topic so what I do want to say is whether it's um fireworks or uh rum cake or chow chow or black eyed peas or peppermint pigs i would love to hear um for those who are listening what your new year's tradition is um and if you don't want to talk about maybe like a past new year's tradition i'd love to hear i'm always very interested to hear how people are making their own traditions Um, yeah that's super exciting to me as well like like while hearing people's like like generational traditions with their family is super cool and i'd certainly love for people to share that stuff with uh, us here at unspinning um i also really want to hear like what are the traditions that you've made for yourself like if you've started a new family or you just um are trying to beat the existential dread (laughs) um what have you been doing as your kind of ritual with your friends or your family to kind of keep connected and stay sane i'd love to hear those things so with that 
I think I think we've done New Year's well. I think we're ready to welcome. I think we're ready. I mean, I'm certainly ready to say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> Not that yeah, anything's going to change at the stroke of midnight, but. You know what? I actually, I'm going to send it out into the universe that a lot is going to change in 2021. Oh, I, I think. I, I mean, in much the same way that everything changed for a lot of people in the blink of an eye in 2020. And I want to send blessings out to all of those people who've experienced um, a really uh, hard and challenging and for some people even grief-worthy 2020. Sending lots of blessings out to all of you. And I'm genuinely sending blessings, compassion, peace, and love to each and every one of you for a fantastic 2021. Mm. However fantastic we can manage for it to be. I know for some people that's going to be relative. Um, but sending you all blessings for a bright and prosperous 2021. Yes. And now for my favorite dad joke sign off. <laughs> See you guys next year. Blessings and peace, everybody.